Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you download our free Living Truth app. Now, here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Ephesians 6, 10 through 12 about how to suit up for spiritual warfare. He does not reign in hell, but he will end up in the lake of fire. But he doesn't want to go there. The Bible makes it clear what he's up to. He moves to and fro throughout the earth, seeking people to destroy. And there's another thing that he does. He still, in my view of theology, has access to heaven. And in the book of Revelation, it says that he accuses the brethren, how often? Day and night. That tells me that he has access to heaven still. He roams about on the earth, but he is not enthroned in some underworld. That is just, uh, what do you want to call it? Dante's Inferno, right? That's just mythology. That's how the devil's been mythologized, but that is not the Bible. The Bible tells us, and uh, this is Job chapter 1, look at verse 6. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, from where do you come? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, from roaming about on the earth and walking around on it. Now we get another insight into what Satan's up to. And if you want to write in your margin, I would write in your margin 1 Peter 5.8 because I think the New Testament uh, just gives a little bit more detail and tells us what he's walking about doing. He's going about as a roaring lion seeking someone to destroy or someone to literally drink down. So later in the book of Job, go all the way to chapter 38, we see something else. And this has to do with the timing of the creation of Lucifer or Satan. And here's what it says. Um, The Lord is answering Job out of the whirlwind after Job has uh, placed his complaints before the Lord. And he says these words, Job 38 verse 4. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me, if you have understanding. Who set its measurements since you know? Job 38 5. Or who stretched the line on it? Or what were its basis, on what were its bases sunk? Or who'd laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Now theologians say that since this is a depiction of the creation of the earth when God was creating things, there were some sons of God, and that's another name for the angels in the Bible, who shouted for joy at the creation of the earth. And so what we know is that we see Lucifer all the way in Genesis 3 already present in the Garden of Eden. And so he's been around a long time. He's a created angel. He is not God's counterpart on the evil side. He is simply a fallen angel. Now what type of angel might he be? Well, some have conjectured that he actually was an archangel, And so let's keep going in the Old Testament for a second, and let's pass up Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, and you're going to get to Ezekiel. Now in uh, prophecy, what happens is often prophecy will be layered. It may be speaking to the immediate leader of that day, but on a sub-level, this is the beauty of prophecy, 
And it can even be speaking of an immediate time and then a time in the future. There can be layers to prophecy. And so this is a particular um, example of that. It's addressing the king of Tyre, but then it moves into a, another being that uh, seems to be someone quite different. So let's look at uh, verse 11, Ezekiel 28. Again, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation over the king of Tyre and say to him, Thus says the Lord God. You had the seal of perfection, Ezekiel 28.12, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering, the ruby, the topaz, and the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, and the jasper, the lapis lazuli, the turquoise, and the emerald, and the gold, the workmanship of your settings and sockets. Many see that there's a reference to uh, musical um, instruments or something of that nature was in you on the day that you were created. They were prepared. Some even have conjectured that this means that Satan was the worship leader in heaven. You were the anointed cherub who covers. And I placed you there. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked in the midst of the stones of fire. This is why scholars believe that you have a sub-level of prophecy because the king of Tyre, this does not apply to him. And so we think that Lucifer is being talked about here. He's called an anointed cherub that covers, maybe protecting that which belonged to God or even has the idea of protecting the very throne of God. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created until, notice, unrighteousness was found in you. By the abundance of your trade, you were internally filled with violence and you sinned. Therefore, I have cast you as a profane, as profane from the mountain of God, and I have destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom by reason of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I put you before kings that they may see you. So here's a specific reference in the Old Testament where scholars say there's a sub-level of prophecy pointing to Lucifer. Now go back a few books and go to Isaiah chapter 14. You're going to see a very similar thing. Here the king of Babylon is being addressed, but again on a sub-level we have uh, a reference to Lucifer actually named in this prophecy, Isaiah 14. Just a few books back. Look at verse 12. How you have fallen from heaven, O star of the morning. I think the New King James has Lucifer there. Son of the dawn. You have been cut down to the earth, you who have weakened the nations. But you said in your heart, and here's the famous five I will statements of Lucifer, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the Mount of Assembly in the recesses of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High. Oh, no, you won't. Nevertheless, you will be thrust down to Sheol, to the recesses of the pit. Those who see you will gaze at you. They will ponder over you, saying, Is this the man who made the earth tremble, who shook kingdoms, who made the world like a wilderness, and overthrew its cities who did not allow the prisoners to go home. 
And again, we see another reference to this being that seems to be behind world leaders. Think of Babylon. Think of Tyre. Think of the wickedness that took place. See, what we need to understand is that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. And when Paul writes that, I say, Paul, are you sure? You ever said that before? Because you feel that way. Because most of our problems are, frankly, with people. But we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Now think of it this way. The principalities and powers in the book of Daniel, chapter 10, seem to have this regional responsibility. And there's the prince of Persia and so forth. And there's these demon powers that are over certain regions of the world. You know how sometimes we say certain regions of the world seem dark? We go, why is that? Because I think that there's probably more demonic influence in certain regions where there's witchcraft and uh, you know voodoo and you name it. There's, there seems to be more spirit activity or demonic activity in some regions of the world. More cases of demonic possession. Why? Because the door knob is on our side. And the more we open the door to demonic possession and oppression, the devils will happily come in. And so I think this is what the Bible is teaching us, that this is the way it works, and Satan is a very real adversary, and he comes against not only the unbelieving world to blind their minds, 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, but he is in battle with the Christian. That's why Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 20 are so important to understand. So let's go back there. Let's see what Paul says first in the text. And this, as I mentioned, this is going to be a several-week several study, and we're going to take our time through it so that we can really understand it. So this is Ephesians 6, and we're going to begin in verse 10. It says, finally, that word finally has the idea uh, of for the rest, or what is remaining, or moreover. And I think Paul is summing up all that he has presented in the letter with the word finally. This especially applies to the duty or worthy walk section beginning in 4.1. In essence, please hear this well, this section of spiritual armor is the final piece of all that he has said in living the new life. I don't think Paul is uh, just summing up the letter. I think the word finally is he's saying, I've taught you about putting on the new man. I've taught you about being filled with the Holy Spirit. I've taught you about how that should affect every practical area of life. And now finally, I'm going to give you the coup de grace. I'm going to give you the final piece that you need to understand to complete the ensemble. You've got to get this. Finally. I'm summing it up, but this is the rest. This is what remains. This cannot be separated from what has come before it. It is essential to round out the complete plan for the victorious Christian life. I wrote in the book, and I told you it's on the website, that the first four years of my Christian life, I was an absolute mess. I brought all this baggage into my Christian walk, and I will tell you that even though I was born again and saved, I kept going back to some of the old sins. I felt like I was a guy on the winning team, but I was a loser. Ever felt like that? Because I knew what was right, and I knew what I should be doing, and I even felt God pulling me into ministry. And yet I found myself going back to some of the same sins and the same uh, places that got me in trouble. Now the good news, and I say that because I want to encourage some of you who are 
in that place in your walk right now to give you some encouragement that you're never going to be perfect, so you can get over that right now. But you can, your Christian life, and this is, I stole this from John MacArthur, but I think it's important. It's not about perfection. It's about direction. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. Hey, Pastor Michael and the team really appreciate you listening to Walk in Truth. It's our goal to bring you the truth of God's Word and help you apply it to your life. To equip you when people in your community have questions, not to throw the truth in their faces, but to have an answer for the hope you have inside you. Would you please help us with something? Would you please reach out to us today to tell us how Walk in Truth has been a blessing to you? We have a church board, and they would love to hear from our listeners. They want to know how this ministry is reaching you. We would love to know how Pastor Michael's messages have helped you day to day, or even just this one time if you're a first-time listener. Please take a couple moments to either call us and leave us a message or email us. The number is 844-48-TRUTH or you can email us at contact at walkintruth.com. That's 844-48-TRUTH, 844-48-TRUTH or contact at walkintruth.com. And thank you so much and God bless. We'd love to see who's listening. So please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. I'm going to give you the final piece that you need to understand to complete the ensemble. you got to get this. Finally, I'm summing it up, but this is the rest. This is what remains. This cannot be separated from what has come before it. It is essential to round out the complete plan for the victorious Christian life. I wrote in the book, and I told you it's on the website, that the first four years of my Christian life, I was an absolute mess. I brought all this baggage into my Christian walk, and I will tell you that even though I was born again and saved, I kept going back to some of the old sins. I felt like I was a guy on the winning team, but I was a loser. Ever felt like that? Because I knew what was right, and I knew what I should be doing, and I even felt God pulling me into ministry. And yet I found myself going back to some of the same sins and the same uh, places that got me in trouble. Now the good news, and I say that because I want to encourage some of you who are in that place in your walk right now to give you some encouragement that you're never going to be perfect, so you can get over that right now. But you can, your Christian life, and this is, I stole this from John MacArthur, but I think it's important. It's not about perfection. It's about direction. Very important that you get that. Your Christian life is not about perfection. You will never be perfect. It is about what direction you are moving in. Okay? At the end of every year, I want to be able to look back on that year and say, I'm not the man that I want to be yet, but I'm not the man I used to be. Now, in those four years, what started happening is God was confronting me with my sin. And each time he confronted me, it was as if, as close to an audible voice that you could get, the Lord was saying to me, Michael, I want to use you, but this has to go. And I'd fight him a little bit. And every time one of those sins would be put off, 
It's the old analogy of the sandbags in the, in the uh, hot air balloon. Every time a bag of sand or a weight in my life got thrown out, the balloon went a little higher. And another bag of sand went out and the balloon went a little higher. Until eventually all those sins were in my past. Now, I confess to you, usually from this hunk of wood, I am, I've not arrived. But those sins that I carried into those early years are in the past now. Praise God, because he does give us victory. Areas where we may have been fearful and we may have you know, thought, I could never do that or I could never be that. No, you can because God is the one doing the work. But sanctification, we must understand this, is a process and you learn how to fight as you go on in your Christian life. And you learn that as you starve sin and feed the inner man, you become stronger as a believer. You learn that is it, when you're in the fire of temptation, I want to take you back to a story. Many of you are familiar with it. You had Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That were the, that's the names they were given in Babylon. And, and they are half, having to face the colossal image of Nebuchadnezzar. And everybody's told to bow down. Well, they refuse to bow, bow down, even with all the pressure. And just to get to the heart of the story, because I'm not going to tell it in this context, but you know that they end up in the fire, and there's a fourth one that comes into the fire, and it's the Son of God. And here's what we discover. We discover that when we stand against temptation, even though we could make every excuse in the book, let me say this, I've said it before, it's elementary, but it's important. Temptation is tempting. If it weren't tempting, we wouldn't call it temptation. We'd call it something else. It has to have some appeal to my flesh to be tempting. Otherwise, I wouldn't even bother with it. So the devil can come in very pretty packages. The song, The Devil with the Blue Dress On. (laughs) Amen. There's some truth to that, right? And so we, we need to understand that this is the battle. This is what we are in. So they're, they're facing the decision and everything in them, I'm sure, if we were faced with that, fiery furnace heated up seven times hotter or bow down for a moment and hope God forgives you, what would you choose? They said, Nebuchadnezzar, whether God delivers us or not, we know he can, we believe he will, but even if he doesn't, let it be known to you. We are not going to bow down before your gods. Well, he throws them into the fiery furnace. Now, Would God have forgiven them? Sure, I think he could have or would have. But they would have lost their testimony. But here's the most important thing for this topic. They would have missed God's provision in the fire. You see, when you face the fire of temptation, it's hard, it's difficult. Everything in your flesh is saying, give in, give in, give in. And when you say, Lord, there's a way of escape, you are the way of escape, come into the fire with me, then God shows you that his presence is provision enough to get you through it. The problem is, we often don't call God into that. What we do is we say, God, uh, I'd like to go on vacation as a Christian for a while. Let's be real. But if we are willing to call God into the fire of temptation, and that's exactly what it is, God will bring a stabilizing presence. He won't always pull us from the fire. He will join us in the fire. You see, the book of Hebrews says we have a great high priest in heaven and he ever lives to what? To intercede for us. 
It says we can call upon him and he is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted, Hebrews 2.18. In Hebrews 4, it says he is able to help us. And the idea of the word help I've shared with you in the past is a nautical term. It's used for frapping. It's running cables along the hull of a ship to stabilize it in the storm. That's what he does. He doesn't always remove temptation from us, but he stabilizes us in the midst of the fiery trial that we may be going through. This is the nature of the battle. The battle belongs to the Lord, but you've got to bring the Lord into the battle. And if you don't, Dr. Walter Martin, and I've mentioned his name several times, some of you still don't know who he is, shame on you. (laughs) He wrote the book, The Kingdom of the Colts, great anointed preacher, I believe he died in the late 80s. He said, if you go onto the battlefield naked without the armor of God, there's only one thing that you will be, a casualty. There's no armor for the backside either, nothing to run away from the battle, right? It's about going forward in your relationship with God and knowing that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And so the NIV says, finally, and you can tell why now that it's going to take several weeks to do this, <clears throat> be strong in the Lord, and notice the double emphasis, and in the strength of his might. Now, you would think that we'd get it after the be strong in the Lord, but there's a double emphasis. It has to be in the Lord, and it has to be his power. Or, in the NIV it says, his mighty power. Reading from the Nelson New King James Study Bible, be strong is endunamao. It may also be translated be made strong. It's in the passive voice which suggests that we cannot do it ourselves, close quote. And so it's be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. The power is from God. It is not from us. That's why Paul said, when I'm weak, then I am strong. Why? Because when I'm weak, I tend to lean more upon the power of God. But when I feel strong in my flesh, that's when I'm the most susceptible. I'll share... Uh, an insight which I think will resonate with most of you. I have found that I am most tempted after spiritual mountaintop experiences. I have found God uses me, you know, I I have the privilege of a platform. I couldn't imagine uh, 20 years ago or even 10 years ago that God has given me the platforms he has. And so I I get opportunities to have God use me and minister to people and it's glorious and and I'm always humbled by it. And I'm like, Lord, thank you. And, I, and I'll sense his spirit moving and touching lives. And then I'll go home. And I'll be a little tired, a little poured out, but certainly happy about you know, what I've been investing in. And it's at those moments that the enemy comes. Uh, at the end of Jesus' 40-day fast, when the Spirit, the Holy Spirit impelled him into the wilderness to kind of uh, make him a more faithful and merciful high priest, he was tempted by the enemy. And the enemy's first temptation was, why don't you turn that stone into bread? You're certainly hungry. I mean, 40 days. Come on, man. Right? If you're the son of God. See, that's, that's how the tempter comes. He comes when we think we're strong, but we're feeling weak. And that's why part of your preparation for spiritual warfare is to understand yourself. 
You've been listening to Suit Up for Spiritual Warfare, Part 2 on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Ephesians 6, 10 through 12. Remember, if you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on the Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. By the way, Walk in Truth is on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and we'd love to connect with you. It's a great way to meet our listeners, and not everyone can visit the church here in Corona, California, although we recommend that you do. But either way, please connect with Walk in Truth on social media. And thanks. Now, here's Pastor Michael. I will tell you that I've written a book on this very topic. It's called Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God. It's available on Amazon. Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God. Just look for Pastor Michael Lance. And if you want a copy of the book, you can get it on Amazon, but you can also call 844-48-TRUTH, 844-48-TRUTH. Call during normal business hours, and we can, if you call the office, we'll get a copy of the book in your hands, and um, really for any donation amount, we can take care of that for you. Or if you don't have a donation, we'll just get it out to you. Call 844-48-TRUTH. Spiritual warfare is real. The book Suit Up that I've written is an encouragement book on how to fight temptation through the power of the armor of God. Call 844-48-TRUTH or order the book on Amazon today. I just wanted to bless you. And if you need a copy and you you don't have uh, the finances, call 844-48-TRUTH. Hey, we'll see you right here tomorrow for part three on Suiting Up for Spiritual Warfare. Tell a friend about what you're hearing. We'll meet you right here. And join us tomorrow for part three of Pastor Michael Lance's teaching in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 12, called Suit Up for Spiritual Warfare. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.